everyone, and welcome to Photos with Sharita. It's another edition of our podcast, and I'm Shara Humphreys, and Rita Norton is here with me as always. Hi, Rita. Hi, Shara. I am super excited, and I know I'm always overly excited, but I can't help it. Today, we have a very special guest with us who is going to share so many um, great things about scanning your photos, and I want to say hello to Curtis Beisel. Hello, Curtis. Uh, hi, Sarah and Rita. Thank you for joining us today. I want everyone to get to know you a little bit, and then we're going to, of course, ask you our questions about photos and stories, and you have a really unique story yourself, and you have this amazing site called Scan Your Entire Life. And Rita and I have been following you, and I might say we've been lurking for many years on his site. <laughs> and uh, we have enjoyed the things that Curtis has taught us that he didn't even know he taught us in um, that no we use. Yeah, that we've used in our own workflows in our photo organizing businesses. And I think that our listeners are going to love to get some tips. So I want to tell a little bit about you and your story because I, I'm, I'm fascinated by um, everything we've learned so far. And I think that this, um, okay. when you sent us an email and I, um, I just read the first line and, and I think this is so great. So how did this 24 year old extremely shy introverted kid from Kentucky move to Los Angeles with a friend, barely knowing one person, zero jobs, and he learned how to edit documentaries, and that taught him the importance of telling and preserving stories, and then he decided that he was going to scan his entire photo collection, and that's where I'm going to stop and let Curtis come in and tell us, how did you decide that? I mean, that's young, and then four years later, you decided to scan your entire photo collection, and then you've been doing it, and... I mean, it's just fun. It's fun, and you've documented it all. So tell us more about that. You know, it's funny. I, I work from home. I have the luxury of that, and I get to go for a lot of walks every day and kind of clear my mind. And so I listen to a lot of podcasts on my walk, and it seems like every podcast, just like this one that I listen to, it starts out with the person saying, and this is how I did this, and this is my life. And I always probably do what a lot of people do, and I think, I don't need to know all this information, you know, just get to the point. But here I am on your podcast, and it makes <laughs> sense to me to kind of go all the way back to the back to, to the beginning to explain, you know, like, like you just said, how did I become a teacher of scanning photos, which is nothing like I thought I was going to do when I was a kid, right? Yeah. So, like, I, like I just said, yeah, I was a kid in Kentucky. I didn't grow up in a rural area. I actually grew up in Lexington, which is a pretty big city. Um, but I didn't want to live there all my life. I just kind of knew something in me that said, I need to go to California. But I didn't really know what it was at first. Um, and I was jealous of kids who always knew what they wanted to do with their life. You know, like there was that kid in school that, um, I remember kids, he had a suit and tie in the seventh grade. And he loved the stock market. And I just knew that was what he wanted to do. And inevitably, he was going to become a stock trader. And then there was a, a girl that was a, a violinist and she was so talented. So I knew eventually she would be in a Philharmonic someday, but I was like the nerdy kid, you know, like I loved computers. I actually ran a computer bulletin board out of my house. I had a separate phone line and people would connect to my computer and we would talk back and forth and they would leave messages. It was kind of like the crude version of the internet back in the early eighties. Awesome. Um, and I was into photography 
you know, I begged my parents for a 35 millimeter film camera. Um, and I would do slideshows. I was shooting slide film. You know, it was a very unusual thing for someone who was like, you know, 12 or 13 years old. I loved movies. You know, who, who didn't want to become a Spielberg at that time? Um, and then I had this weird entrepreneurial kind of bug where I liked to mow yards for people. I liked to kind of chart it and show how much income I was making. So in hindsight, it's funny when you look back, it, it all seems to make sense how you get where you end up. I don't know if it's a spiritual thing or just even if you're not spiritual, you sort of can look back and kind of connect all the dots. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And I think it's really true. I Absolutely. So what happened was, and uh, trying to get to this a little bit quicker here, um, I became a projectionist at a movie theater. And I did that for six years. And that kind of satisfied my movie making bug. Um, and I met someone who, uh, who, got also interested in movies who worked there. And one summer he went off and did film school for a summer. And he came back and he said, I have such a great time. Why don't you and I move to California and we'll do this whole movie thing. And I said, that sounds great. So I got two more jobs. I'm working three jobs now. I'm working in a video rental store. Uh, I'm a waiter at a restaurant and I'm doing the whole projectionist thing. And so I saved up $2,000. I packed my car completely to the top. My friend packed his car. Uh, we broke our parents' heart and uh, we <laughs> left. This was April of 1997. And we drove co- cross country for four days. Uh, we didn't know anyone. Well, actually I knew one friend out here, uh, but you know, he was just kind of like that high school guy that you talked to a little bit, but not a whole lot. And we had no jobs lined up. So uh, looking back, you know, that's definitely the stupidity of youth, right? Who would, who would, who in their right mind would want to do that? Uh, but we did it. Um, and after about three months of not finding work, uh, finally we got our first job and it was a fantastic experience. Um, I thought I was going to be a cinematographer. I thought I was going to work outside, uh, you know, learn all about film lenses, uh, and be the person that, you know, behind the camera, that type of thing. But then I realized that I'm kind of more of an indoor kind of guy. And that whole computer geekiness thing kind of rubbed off on me there. And so I got into video editing and uh, I taught myself how to video edit at night. Uh, I had an editor that was my mentor. So he would sort of teach me some things during the day. And then when he left at night, I would stay all night and I would learn how to edit. Um, And this became an important thing when I look back now that when I created my uh, website and I started making videos, teaching people how to scan, I could then use all those things that I learned, video editing, telling stories, and that became a huge advantage to me. I I just love the progression and I love the pieces that brought you to where you are now. And I think it all just makes sense. I mean, it, it's like, this is why you're good at this. And can you tell our listeners, and if, and if you don't want to, you don't have to, but, you know, any fun like things that we would know that you did, you know, in oh. movie in movie land in your in your day job, if you will, or is it a night job? Sure. Sometimes it's any time. Um, yeah, it's a twenty-four hour job. <laughs> <laughs> so over the course of about twenty years out here, um, I started out doing TV shows. Um, I did some intimate portraits for the Lifetime Channel. Uh, I did okay. a couple shows for VH1. Um, But the bulk of my work came when my friend got a job at this uh, small company and they were doing uh, bonus material for Blu-rays and DVDs. At the time, it was just DVDs. 
Mm-hmm. So if you have a DVD or Blu-ray and you stick it in your player, um, a lot of times a little menu item called uh, Extra Features comes up. Yep. And those are like little documentaries about how the movie was made or outtakes or all those little things. That, that's what I got into, and I've been doing that most of the time. So um, one of the first really big titles I worked on was Aliens, the uh, the James Cameron movie. Right. Um, yeah. More recent, uh, I did uh, work on the Hunger Games series with Jennifer oh. Lawrence. I didn't Very do the first cool. one, but I worked on all the subsequent ones. Fun. Um, I, I did Braveheart, the Mel Gibson one, a couple mm-hmm. of those. They did two releases, uh, the Jack Reacher movies, a couple of Transformers movies. Nice. Uh, probably the biggest thing I worked on that I'm most proud of is uh, Iron Man, the first Iron Man. With, oh, yeah. Uh, love that. Well, I love to hear that. So you, you've you kind of taken your professional world, and then you have this, what some people refer to as a side gig or side hustle, and you yeah. did this website scan your entire life, and you documented how you've done uh, scanning everything and then everything you've learned, and then it, it just it just pairs beautifully with what you do. And so really, they're both professional. I don't want to say like one's professional and one's a hobby, because really, you professionally the scanning thing is a big deal and uh, so as we go um, into what we love to share with our podcast listeners it's for people who want to you know tackle their own photo collection and scan things and before we ask you about that we always like to ask this you know just a fun question it's I don't know we've created kind of like this little competition thing about how many photos are on your camera roll right now Oh, gosh. Um, let me look. Um, I have, I know right where to look. I, and some actually, people, some some people don't know how to look. <laughs> yeah, how many? Um, I only have 3,588 photos and 703 videos. So maybe the videos will surprise you, but maybe yeah. not the photo <laughs> So you have more, you have a lot more videos than probably the average person on your camera roll. Yeah. And I guess yeah. that makes sense, right? Sure. I'm the sure. guy at Christmas time always shooting everyone, opening every one of their presents. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you can put together a beautiful video montage or something. I mean, you're 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 good at your stuff. I've seen it. So, could you um, share a story about one of your favorite photos with us, and then we're going to talk some scanning tips and uh, what else you have brewing at Scan Your Entire Life. Oh, I'd be glad to. Um, so I have a photo. Uh, it was taken in, uh, I think, about 1978. So I was about five and a half, six then. And I'll show that one with you. Um, it is it is just visceral to me. I look at it, and it just kind of instantly brings me back to, like, what it was like to be a kid. And outside in the wintertime, back when we used to have snow, like like I just said, I live in Los Angeles now, and we, we basically don't have snow here, right? Right. But in Kentucky, when I was a kid, you know, we would get three feet of snow sometimes. And, you know, your mom would dress you up and you'd go outside. And uh, what I love about this photo is that it's in the 70s. So I have this crazy outfit on. I'm my brothers in the photo as well as me. And I'm wearing this crazy brown, white and orange, like those puffy jackets of life, life jacket kind of jackets. And I've got these huge boots on, and you should see my pants. I mean, it is the weirdest conglomeration of colors and patterns. I've never seen such a thing. It's like like a jigsaw puzzle or something. 
And what I love even more, other than the fact that we're standing on three feet of snow, is that this is so common to probably what all parents did in the 70s. My brother and I, in our boots, were standing in two bread uh, sacks, what they called, called bread bags. Mm-hmm. And I can even tell you from looking at it, it's the Roman meal bread. That was the type of bread that we bought back then. And I guess that I was just that. to keep our feet wet. I guess that was waterproofing back then. I love that. And it's 70s, clear 70s. The good thing is our listeners are going to get to go to the show notes page and see your photo. So you describe it. And, uh, uh, hey, those bread sacks did waterproof. I I know that. (laughs) It snowed like once in Georgia when my kids were three and I put sacks on their their shoes because we didn't even have boots here. So uh, I remember the snow like that, too. Love that. Did they keep your feet dry? Uh, sort of, mostly it makes you fall because they're slippery. No tread. <laughs> it's, it's the fashion. It's the fashion of the, the late seventies too. That when our readers um, the show notes and see this photo, it's gonna make a put a big smile on their face. It's a great photo, and I also love the huge. I mean, they look like they could possibly be. I don't know, maybe two feet icicles hanging from the roof. So oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a, it looks like a cold, clear day, so that will be a fun picture for our um, video uh, for our uh, listeners to to look at. Um, Curtis, so now that you have given our um, listeners a kind of a, a bit of a look into your past, what we didn't hear is how you went from doing this video. Um, editing and to scanning your entire collection of photos though we're not going to take them down that route what I'd like to know is what was that turning point that made you decide to that key moment that made you decide to get into scanning um, your family photo collection and then what prompted you to document it and then make a membership site for for people, I know that's a, a three-part wow. question, so we'll kind of answer a bit back and forth. But just in general, what was that point when you were working on the videos of the big movies and such that you decided that this was you took sort of that love and passion stories that you've had all your life, really? It's just shown up in other ways, and then you put it to yeah. work for for you um, by scanning your your family photo collection. What prompted you to do that? So. Uh, it'll help if you're in your 40s or above, probably, when I say this. But if we go back to that period of time, it was about, I think, August of 2001, if memory serves. And if you remember 2001, I mean, hard drives were tiny. They were like, correct me if I'm wrong, like 30 or 40 gigabytes at the time. Um, The Internet was barely, you know, getting very far into what it had become. You know, if you Google what did the internet look like in 2001? You'll probably laugh at how crude it looked back then. So I was editing at the time. I had done a couple of years worth, but in my downtime, I kind of was starting to think, well, I organize all my video footage really neatly on the computer. Mm-hmm. What if I could do that with all of my photos that my parents have at their house all the way back in Kentucky? Um, and back then in 2001, you know, I was in my late twenties at the time. I don't think I knew anyone that had kind of projected that far and said, wouldn't it be nice to have all of my analog photos, you know, the print uh, paper photos and slides on my computer? Obviously, other people had done it at that point, but I personally didn't know anyone who had done it. And so I thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take my, my, my spare time, 
when I go home for Christmas, I'm going to get a big suitcase full of photos and I'm going to bring them back one Christmas at a time because I would go back every year at Christmas time and I'm going to start scanning my photos. And so I kind of looked into whether I should do it myself or if I could afford to hire a service at the time. And I looked into it and I was guessing, guesstimating that I had maybe 90, 300 maybe photos in our family's okay. collection. Yep. And the scanning services at the time, the, the ballpark that I remember was about $5,000 if I did it in a very basic way with basic settings that would make the normal person happy. But knowing how picky I was at that time, um, I knew I would kind of want the more advanced settings, you know, higher bit rate, a higher DPI, all that. And the estimate price for that was about $7,300, if I remember right. So I was making a little bit more money than I was used to, you know, my first full-time job, first real professional job, but $7,300 was a lot of money. So I felt like I had more time at that point than money. So, and I also knew it was going to be really hard for me to put them in a box and mail them away, which, you know, we all worry about that Mm -hmm. situation. And then I also thought about if I mail them to a scanning service, now we're talking about, do I only mail the ones that I currently have, or do I fly back to my parents' house and mail them all out at one time? But then what if my aunt gives me more photos or my grandparents give me more photos? (laughs) You know, then it, it becomes it, it a mess. Of it keeps getting bigger, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, like, if you pick different services, now the qualities won't match. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they'll change the prices or they'll change their services, even at the same scanning company. So you think, oh, I should probably do it all at once then. So, I don't know. In the end, I pretty much just decided I'm not going to be satisfied unless I do it all by myself. Um, and on my, art, my, my website, I have an article that basically explains that at that point, it took me seven to eight years between when I scanned my first photo and when I scanned my second, because as I got into it, as you both probably know, it's really complicated. You know, you can put your photo in a scanner, a print, and hit scan with the automatic settings, and you may or may not be happy with the results. Yep. But if you really want to do it the right way, we all learned, you kind of have to learn the more professional settings. And so for seven years, on and off, of course, I was busy with my life and doing work and such. I would research how to scan. Um, and I remember at the time, you know, the internet was so crude. The only scanning website I remembered was one, one called scantips.com, I believe. And it oh, was I written by a name. I think I remember that site. Um, His yeah, name is Wayne Fulton. Does that sound right? I don't know. <laughs> and he, he had um, a lot of great help, but it was written really technical. You know, if you really want to know the technical, you know, it's like a diagram of it's like when you go through a manual and you go to the back of the manual, all that technical stuff. It was a little bit over my head at the time, but I ordered his book. He had a book that was made at like Kinko's. It was like an inch and a half thick and it had that plastic kind of spiral bound, you know, thing that holds it together. And I think I still have it on my shelf, but, you know, he was the go to guy. So I, I did that and I read as many books as I could. Um, and I basically came to the the conclusion that the most important thing you have to keep in mind is when you scan your photos, you have to understand that um, the way you scan it now is going to have to be good enough that it will be usable by any other purpose you have in the future. However you repurpose your photos in the future, the photos now need to be scanned that well. Does that make sense? Can I explain yeah. that, Rona? 
That makes great sense. I mean, it's it, that's if they don't get anything else out of it, uh, out of today, that's that's a, such a great tip. You, it's a what you call a master file, as do we, you know, that original image that you scan needs to be right. that way. So yes, and a lot of the uh, you know the cheap scanner settings, I just say, well, if you want it to uh, to enlarge to a three and a half by three and a half photo, use this setting, or if you want it to be a four and a half inch photo, use that setting. But what if you don't know? what you want to enlarge it to in the future. How do you make that decision? And so all those big decisions I was trying to make is what slowed me down for seven years. Um, But then, oh, go ahead. Well, you heard me breathe. And that is, I I just took some notes about what you said. I think that uh, what I love is you said that in 2001, there were tiny hard drives. And the internet was, you know, kind of crude. I don't know if anyone knows. And you said if you're like over 40, you'll know these things. Well, we might be in another age range. And I think a lot of our listeners are. And uh, so my first hard drive on a computer was 512, a Mac, 512K. Uh, Yes, that's really true. And um, I think they had a 256, but I doubled it. And did you guys know that the internet was 50 years old yesterday? I read that on Katie Couric's Instagram. So I, I'm not an authority on that, but I just believed it because Katie posted it yesterday. 50 years, birthday yesterday. Wow. Yeah. And then I think that you were saying that this guy has this manual that you went and looked at and got all this stuff and it was a hard read for the average person. And you mentioned things like bitrate and DPI. And I think some listeners might glaze over it even that right now um, because of all of these things that stop people from scanning. They're, They're scanning any photos, much less their entire life. So what I wanted to maybe just talk about for a minute is how we could empower them to just start and not have to wait seven years while they figure it out. Because we're like you in that it took us a while as well. And now we have photo organizing businesses and we do it for other people. And you have, you're just an expert at this, Curtis. I mean, the seven years brought you to an expertise level that, um, people will really appreciate in terms of how do they get started without feeling so overwhelmed and nervous about making the right decisions about scanning their precious photos? How to get started? Do you mean like what, um, what to get over procrastination or how do you educate yourself? I think a little bit of both. I mean, like if you, if, if I called you right now and I wasn't on the podcast and I just said, Curtis, I've been lurking on your website for um, nine years and, (laughs) and uh, I just wanted to, you know, and I, and I got your phone number off the internet and now I've called your house, which I hope nobody does. We're not giving your phone number, but um, (laughs) what would be, what, what would you tell me to do to just get started? Like if, if this weekend I wanted to start scanning, could you give me just like tips on that so I, I won't feel so anxious about it? I don't I don't know. I mean, that it's a big question. I know. I know there are so many things that we can go into scanning, which is why you have your fabulous membership site, which we'll tell people about um, in a minute. But like I want to start this weekend. What would you tell me? <laughs> Well, if I had a friend who asked me that, um, I would feel bad asking him to join and pay for my membership program that I have. Uh, so the, over the last eight or nine years since I started my website, I've got about 65 articles on there where I cover a lot of the basics, you know, all the stuff that I learned 
through those seven or eight years and as I started to scan my own collection. Um, and I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty OCD uh, about, you know, writing articles. Some of my articles are kind of lengthy and very descriptive. Um, so they're kind of mini lessons on their own. So you wouldn't even really need to join my membership just to kind of get the basics and get an idea whether um, like I'm the person that you feel comfortable teaching you how to do this. So you're underselling you're underselling yourself right now. I have to say, I think you should tell them to just go join the membership and start the course because it's in order, and I don't have to go search through your blog to do it. You, your membership site is so organized. Thank you very much. We've been in there lurking around too, uh, and oh, so maybe the best tip. I'm going to answer my own question is that I would join your membership and read before I buy equipment or anything, because you tell everything I need to get started step by step, right? In your membership course. I do. Yeah. I, I did that just because I don't want people to feel like they need to know exactly what they need to buy first and then order it. If they have to order online and wait for it to come. And then at that point, start learning. I think, it's better to sort of while you're waiting for the equipment that you're going to get comes start learning all this technical stuff in, in the best way and in the, in the best you know time span that you have so that when you're ready to to work you don't have to just cram and learn all that information all at one time. Yeah, I love I love that approach, and I will tell you that um, we all have the same scanner that we've had for years in flatbed scanning, all three of us. And it's on your website. It's in your course. It's on. It'll be. We'll link to the scanner on our show notes, but. Um, I I I think then the best thing is to join membership and go through the course and learn that way instead of hunting. But, you know, I was saying from the perspective of I've been lurking on your blog a while and I've got tips and pieces, but if I wanted to start then, and in the world of instant gratification, let's just pretend I already ordered the scanner and it's on its way. So that's why I, I think I would dive into your membership. I And, and you would be so kind to say I could, um, plug, you know, like lurk around your blog and find articles there too. Either way, you've got great stuff out there. Yeah, and I, and I think the, the in-between of all that is Curtis has put so much time and energy and shared so generously on his um, website. But if you want, to, so that's one option, right, as we've talked about, and as Curtis suggested. Yeah. But once we decide to commit to this, it's like, I'm going to do this. Right. It's like if your time is valuable and whose isn't and how many how often are you saying I don't have time or I'll do that next week or next year. Right. But the stories right. that are lurking in the shoe boxes or in the garage or the attic, wherever those printed photos are, they might not have next week, next month, next year. So do yourself a favor. It's kind of how I think about it, since you know you want to do this, right, is jump in and learn from someone who's done all that hard work for you and learn it in the membership in a very short period of time so that those stories don't get lost, so that you don't regret, you know, trying to do it on your own or digging through multiple, not only Curtis's site, but there's multiple great information um out on the web it's not all correct it's not all applicable but as far as scanning the photos sharing the stories if that's your goal and your objective and you're like that's what I want to do just point me in the direction of where to get started today and do it right the first time that's where you'd want to 
you know, stop reading the blog posts and jump right in. That's my two cents. It's about the stories getting shared. We don't always have the luxury of having time on our side with the people whose stories we might want to get from the photos. Thank you. And we're definitely that. talking. Like sorry. That. Sorry. I, Rita, I mean, Curtis, do you want to hire her? I mean, she's like, <laughs> I know. Right. She, I yeah. am awful at promoting myself. As, as you can tell. So I, you're right. Rita, I think I should hire you. How much? Yeah, you I think I think she's ready to freelance sales for you. And I am too, really. I mean, we're we're here for you. But honestly, the thing is shortening the learning curve. And our listeners are people who want to do this. I mean, they found our podcast because they love their photos and stories, but they're stuck a lot of times. And so one of the best things that they could do, and, and often, so often, people want to start with print photos, the oldest photos. I mean, people are overwhelmed by their digital photos. We have other podcasts about that. But really, when you go to print photos, those precious, treasured heirloom photos, one of a kind, maybe the negatives are gone, black and white, um, you know, you've inherited grandparents or parents' photos, then you want to get those scanned. And for people who want to do it themselves, just like you did, how you described, you know, that they don't want to spend X amount of dollars. And if it was that much, then it's uh, I'm going to go double, triple that. I know that you can get cheap scanning. We're not talking about that. We never will be really, you know, those <laughs> coupons for 21 cents a scan or whatever. We're not talking about that. Yeah, Doing yeah. It right. Then you're the guy. You're the scanning guy. You're the guru. And uh, and I think our listeners should, you know, check out your membership monthly or yeah, yearly. And we will, mm-hmm. Sorry, we will have that in our show notes. So be sure to stop by um, the website or go visit uh, scanyourentirelife.com. Right. Yeah. I do have a couple tips I could give. Love it. Think kind of please. go along with your question. Yes, please. So do. I don't want people to think that I spent seven years, you know, day in, day out researching <laughs> back then, and then I knew the answer, and then it was just easy, and I just started scanning, and I got through all my photos. Because here's what really happened: in the seven and a half years or so, uh, I procrastinated learning. I put it off just as much as everyone put it off because I just felt like I'm never going to be satisfied with the amount of information I know. So I just kept putting it off. But when I finally started scanning. It took me another year before I figured out how to actually get momentum. I think in the first year of my scanning, when I really set myself up to it, I think I only scanned 336 photos right around there. And I was disappointed in myself because I couldn't get that momentum, as I said, that I really wanted. If I had you know, another eight or 9,000 photos to get through. And what worked for me, here was the trick that worked for me. And it may not work for everyone, but this is what it took for me. I basically told myself I needed a challenge. So I said, starting tomorrow, every day, every day that I possibly can, if I have a good reason, I'm going to get up and I'm going to scan first thing in the morning. Uh, that's just when I picked. I mean, obviously, you could do it in the afternoon or the evening, depending on how your work schedule is set up. But for me, it was six in the morning, you know, half an hour or an hour earlier than I normally would get up. So I would sit in my pajamas. And get this, I would watch Three's Company reruns on DVD, <laughs> and I would scan my photos for about 30, 45 minutes, however it felt long enough to me. And I would get through about 30 photos a day. That was sort of my average. And you know what? It's that whole cliche, that whole baby steps thing. Yep. Like, how do you get through 9,000 photos? Well, you get through it one day at a time. And it's amazing. If you do the math, you know, if you have 9,300 photos, I think if you do 30 a day, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like 300 
311 days, somewhere in there. They can do it in you know, a year. So huh? in one year, you can get all your photos done. And I had been putting it off for eight years. So you can't say that a year is too much time because I just gave up eight and got nothing accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's a great tip. And it is true. That baby step thing. Yeah, you've got to crawl to learn to walk and, and you've got to do, you know, and I, I was thinking eat the elephant one bite at a time, right? So the same yeah. concept, it's just a little bit every day consistently is going to yield results oh. for you. And that. And here's one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. One more thing that made me excited, because I know that word excites you all, is the word excited. <laughs> I decided I wasn't going to pre-organize all my photos. I decided that because I knew I had photos at my parents' house and my grandparents' house and my aunt's house, there was no way I would ever get all the photos organized in my hand before I scanned them. So there's no sense that I had to scan them in order to my mind. So what yeah. I did to excite me every day before I scanned was I would grab a stack of photos from my box or my shoebox, you know, my pile, whatever you want to call it, and I wouldn't look at what I was about to scan. And so as I put each photo into the scanner bed, it was sort of like I, I was seeing a photo or a memory, a story that I hadn't seen in, in maybe 10, 20 years sometimes. Yeah. Right. So it was exciting. Like every time I scanned something, it was like seeing something new that I couldn't believe it. I, I forgot about. So I love that you gave yourself a little challenge. I mean, it's one of the ways to, that we can accomplish goals that we have and when we get stuck. And you, you did that. And then I also love for listeners to think about that. Really, what you just said, people get really hung up in organizing before they scan. And yeah. Rita and I talk about this in different scenarios and in our own training and with clients. And there's, that's not wrong or right. I mean, there's there's two ways to do it for sure. Well, there's probably 10 ways. Mm -hmm. But the simple fact is you can scan everything and then organize it online, digitally on the computer. Or you can sort and organize, you know, stacks and stacks of photos. But I think that there's a bigger payoff if you just start getting them scanned and then you can organize them digitally on a computer, right? Correct. Yeah. It really just depends on... How how good are you on a computer? Do you feel more comfortable mm -hmm. clicking on a photo thumbnail and moving it around, dragging it to organize? Or are you more comfortable holding a slide or a print in your hand and moving it around on your dining room table? You know, yep. and that's how I can probably argue who should do what first. Right. It's definitely how, you know, we talk about how uh, much they love technology or hate it, right? Like a lot of people yeah. love to work with the print collection, the physical touch and put on gloves and, you know, do that and organize and boxes and themes and, you know, dividers. And that gives them more joy than thinking of the technology piece and looking at it online. So, yeah, there's but you have to figure out what way is going to work best for you just so you make progress. That's that's the goal. My and only I scary suggestion is, oh, go ahead, Curtis. Is if you, if, it's hard for me sometimes to push to organize first because that gives one more excuse to I'll do that later, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But if you start scanning and get your feet wet into it, you know, and start to see those old photos on your computer, then you start to get more excited. And you can always organize later. You'll learn how to move that photo around on your computer. Mm -hmm. You know, or get someone to help you do that. Do mm -hmm. You yeah. can get you yeah. can get a younger person um, if you're older and you're not comfortable <laughs> to help you move things around on the computer. <laughs> Rita, what were you going to add? 
I was just going to add that doing 30 photos a day, the, the beauty of that, I mean, that does take discipline, but then all your equipment is always set up and ready to go. And you don't forget often we'll try and tackle too much at once. If you're doing it yourself and you're like, I've got this box yeah. and I'm doing it. And maybe you rock it out on a Saturday, right? You do it for like six or seven hours, but then you put the project aside and you, you know, it's six months later when you're like, I'm back. I'm ready. And yeah. like, what I do? Where yeah, it, gets it gets neglected for a while again. Yeah. You do a big yeah. burst so, and then you then you crash. Yeah, so I was just going to say I love the tip of just being disciplined, even if it was just Monday through Friday. That way you're always, your frame of mind is always right on target with what do I need to do and what was my workflow. It's like you're ready. So I love that. I even created a little spreadsheet, like a simple five-column spreadsheet, and I would, every day would be another row, and it would be like I would write down how many I scanned uh, with a print or a slide, um, and then I would use the spreadsheet to add up my total, so every day I can kind of see the total add up, which I thought was fun. But what that also did to me along the line that you said was that if I skipped a day, I would actually have to write, I skipped this day, and I would tell myself I had to write in why. You know, like my second day of scanning, I was actually sick. I had a fever. And I was like, well, I'm not going to scan today. So I wrote in sick. But then the next day, I made myself scan. And I think um, it, it sort of becomes like, you know, brushing and flossing your teeth or anything else. You sort of start to feel it's part of your routine. It's part of your day. And if you don't do it, it kind of feels weird. It's Curtis, you're kind of, of a you. you're a tough taskmaster on yourself. I mean, I like it. <laughs> well, I think again, it's great. again, procrastinator. I was a big procrastinator, so that's what it took for me. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, listen, I think they've got some great tips, the listeners um, now to to get not just um, to get motivated to scan and or feel overwhelmed by technology or overwhelmed by the quantity of their print collection, but mostly just to take the baby steps to get started. And they have a scanning guru to go to in you and your website and membership. So we thank you so much for your time today and sharing your tips and your story. Uh, we might have to do a part two. I don't, I, I just, I like it that much. Scanning has a lot okay. of moving parts, but thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you very much. And thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. 